Welcome back to Spinal Tap Minute, the podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and none more black eyes the movie This is Spinal Tap, one magnificent minute at a time. We are at episode 42, and I'm Heidi Bennett of HeidiBennett.com. And I'm Sean German of 5MinutesOfMime.com. And with us once again today, our special guest from the Six Colors website, Jason Snell. Hey, it's good to be back. This is uh, Minute 42, so I think uh, it may be the ultimate answer to the ultimate question of life, the universe, and everything. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. There's there's a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of answers, mm. or at least many questions in, uh, <laughs> in this minute. <laughs> Something like, oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so Minute 42 starts with uh, Janine letting us know just how uh, brutally frank she can be. <laughs> We end with uh, Nigel playing a little piano for Marty, and in between we we uh, we get a little bit more back and forth between David and Janine and and her inputs to his creative process, and uh, yeah, I think that's that's the bulk of it. And and then a little bit more with uh, Marty and Nigel uh, alone. So this is a, a big Marty minute. Uh, talking with various band members together and, and apart throughout the course of this minute. And uh, we're still, so, so to begin with, we're still with Janine and David. And, uh, you know, she'll come out and say if, if David plays something for her and she doesn't like it, she will let him know. Yeah, this is the this is the payoff of what we talked about last time, which is she's made these comments in the interview and then he's going to try to walk it back and be like, well, you know, she, I, I tarred it up for them, right? Like I, I take her feedback and then she doesn't give feedback to the band. Like I take it and internalize it and then, and then I'll talk to the band about it. And, and he's walking he this it. dangerous line. When I get the feeling, cause she says she gives three examples of feedback she could give, you know, like I say, yeah, that's good. That's bad. Or that's shit. Mm-hmm. And two of the three are bad. So I'm, I'm getting the impression that that's indicative, that most of the things she hears from David and most of the feedback she gives, it's something she doesn't like. And that's why, yeah, immediately David is, uh, is well, then I have, to, I have to tart it up for the band. Because if, if it was good, if she loves it, well, why would he need to tart it up? He could just tell the band, hey, Janine loves this. Yeah, uh, that's also that's a great. Uh, there's some there's some good uh, gags in this. I I really love, and it's a little bit related to the shit sandwich joke, which is that when she says that shit, we get almost immediately we get the cutaway to Marty as uh-huh. he's nodding, and I feel like that, that's just funny. Like like he's like, yep, okay, there it is again. Like this is a word that keeps getting used for Spinal Tap. Uh, it's not just me quoting reviews. This is yeah. this is this is them. Uh, so that, that made me laugh. That's a, that's a funny little cutaway. I'm not even sure it needs to be there because we cut back and it's basically the same shot and then it pulls yeah. back. I think it's just there because it's a really funny yeah. uh, nodding shot of Rob Reiner. Going, yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I wonder if, did they just do a lot of B-roll, just film separately of Rob Reiner just nodding? And I guess oh, he's, totally. the, he's the director, so he's telling himself, okay, here, just nod and pretend you're you're hearing something. Because if he's really, you know, if, if there's just two cameras and he's nodding in real time to these conversations that are going on, 
Yeah, there's no he way, must, right? He must be just immune. Maybe it was, you know, growing up with with his father and Mel Brooks. You know, his father's Carl Reiner, in case any of our listeners don't know, and 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 Mel Brooks being around, and and maybe just at this point he's immune to to comedy because they show him here. And this is a shorter scene. There's the longer interviews that are interspersed throughout the movie where they're at uh, Nigel's castle with the full band, and they just say these ridiculous things, and they cut to Marty, and he's just the the solemn look and the solemn nod and not, you know, doesn't crack a smile. There's no, there's no hint of emotion or amusement anywhere that I'm just, how can you not be laughing at this? <laughs> yeah. I, I suspect that, especially this setup here yeah. that they just have one camera and they shoot the reverse shots. I mean, mm-hmm. that was kind of common practice, like even in like on 60 minutes or something back in the day, they don't do this right. now, but back in right. the day when, Film cam setups were expensive, and and film was expensive, and and you would do you would just shoot some reaction shots. I mean, I was taught when I went to journalism school that was how one of the ways we got B roll is that you after the the real interview you'd have the camera uh, flip around to the other side and you'd continue to talk to them a little bit, just small talk. And the whole idea was just to get your your reverse reaction shot, and you do some some nodding and things, so that 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 could be intercut. So I just assume that's what's going on here. But it's just okay. a funny intercut where he's nodding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it, yeah, he he he's always, you know, he's taking this so seriously, and you're it's just you're you you know you're interviewing ridiculous people, mm. but it's so serious to to, to Marty. Yep. Yeah. We get a lot uh, more of, um, you know, the camera's back a little bit further. You can see a little bit more of both of their interesting outfits. And they both have quite a few layers, too. So it seems like it's a bit chilly wherever they are because he's got his Mm -hmm. standard red and white striped, kind of the Breton striped shirt, Mm -hmm. but then also a V-neck striped sweater sweater with a decoration on it that almost looks like a video game kind of space space invaders invaders (laughs) and then a and then a coat and then a scarf and she's got layers layers upon layers with something it's hard to tell but there's feathers there's fringe there's tassels (laughs) there's all sorts of stuff. Plus, yeah. they've got they their shaggy hairs. So they're keeping their necks warm, so yeah. it should be pretty toasty. Well, and I, is this one? Is this an instance where, um, you know, couples that have been together a really long time start to look alike? They have, you know, <laughs> or do they? They just see the same stylist that yeah. they've got the same hair. I think that's. I think maybe Janine's hair inspired David. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just yeah, another influence that she's had on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, they're a good-looking rock and roll couple for sure. So the killer, the killer thing here is the and and she's on the the camera's on her for a lot of it is where David tries to explain the Nigel Janine relationship. <laughs> yes. Right? They're yes. so similar in so many ma- ways. They don't like dislike each other. In fact, there's great love, which leads to one of the funnier lines in the movie where she just says, oh, yes, with oh, as yes. little conviction <laughs> as possible. It is amazing it um, is. that she's just barely holding it together here in front of the cameras to agree and then gives this just brutal glance back at him after he says that. But I wanted to I wanted to throw out my a little analysis here, which is, mm-hmm. Nigel and Janine are 
so similar in so many ways. He is not wrong. He is, you know, he is obviously deluded about uh, the great love between them because that is not true. But I would argue <laughs> that that it is absolutely true that the two great loves of David St. Hubbins' life are Janine and Nigel. Right. And I bet and I yeah. think they are alike. I think there are reasons why these two people are, are are the people that that David is most connected with. And of course they don't like each other. They are they're at cross purpose. They're fighting over him essentially. Yeah, definitely. Um so and he's, you know, I think just delusional that they can get along because he wants everybody he loves to get along and it's not going to happen. But I think that's a moment of clarity that David says something that is absolutely true, which is they are similar in so many ways. That's the problem. That's like kind of the central love triangle of the movie. <laughs> totally. Between yeah, David and Nigel and, and David and Janine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's just, it's funny, you get used to these characters saying things that are ridiculous. And it's all, that line has always struck me as being entirely 100% accurate. Mm -hmm. And he's perceiving it perfectly that, yes, Nigel and Janine are so similar in so many ways. Uh, Yep. Mm -hmm. You got it. You got it. And that's the problem here. Instead of it being like, they don't, and he tried, like, what kind of explanation is like, they don't like, dislike each other. In fact, there's great (laughs) love there. He's like really trying to make an argument against what? Against what is obvious to everybody who is watching, which is that this is a, this is a huge problem between these two people. Well, that kind of reminds me too of like, when he says there's great love there is that, I would imagine as two spiritual seekers, he and Janine, that they probably talk about love and compassion and we're all, you know, world united, you know, very spiritual. So, I mean, he probably has a language with her that has love in it a lot. And then it's it's at odds with how she truly feels, you know, and that's this seething withering stare you know mm. it's oh my gosh but uh, so i i can understand him kind of trying to use this maybe this language that's that is kind of rooted in maybe the way they are um with when they're meditating or something you know but it doesn't doesn't translate because there's something (laughs) (laughs) there's something deep here that's that her face is you know i I don't think janine really loves nigel no, no, you think you think not? <laughs> I, I like that, that that look. That withering look is so, and the line "Oh yes" is so funny that that it's easy to miss when he when he then David oh, tries yeah. while that's happening he tries to explain it and he's like there's some co- sort of communication that's just blocked or something and I think that's really funny because that is also David trying to I'm sure I can solve this I'm sure I can find a way through it's echoed in passing out the horoscopes later mm-hmm. where right. it's like come on Nigel and he's like no I'm not going to I'm not going to do this but cuz David's really trying like we can all we can all have fun together can't we and the answer is no you, no you, no Mm-mm. Well, and, and yeah, David does this a lot where he's, you know, part of it, he's kind of just wishy-washy and part of it, he plays the, the, the peacemaker. I guess I don't know if he's a middle child or maybe there's some astrological explanation. I don't know if this is a common trait of Leo's, but I'm just thinking back to uh, when they're talking with Bobby about the cover and it's, you know, this you know woman being forced to smell a glove on all fours, naked, greased up and... And David's kind of, well, you know, it, it's a joke. We don't really want her to smell the glove. Well, not, you know, not over and over, just once kind of thing. You know, he, 
you know, he kind of he kind of when when challenged, he'll back off. So that's kind of like, oh, we you know, we don't really mean her to smell the glove or or Nigel and Janine really don't dislike each other. He kind of yeah. he tries to play both ends. Well, he's and he's conflict averse, right? I mean, that's also what's going on here. David doesn't want conflict. He is a conflict avoider. This is what he's this is what he's trying to do here. I I'm a conflict avoider in life a lot of the time and I've come to recognize that about myself and I see it. That's what David's he's like he just wants everybody to get along. You know, we're just going to get along and 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 we're not going to make trouble. Right. So, he doesn't you know, want mommy and daddy to fight. Yeah. He, and he's not so he's not going to say, "Yeah, that's right. She's smelling the glove. We're going to make all of the women smell our glove," right? right he's right. not going to do that. He's like, "No, no. Oh no, we didn't mean anything by it. No, it's fine, right? He yeah. doesn't want to fight it. Doesn't want to have an argument about it." Yeah, good stuff. I you know, I think about too like with Janine, she's showing everything on her face. Like it, she's revealing everything on her face no matter what words come out. And with Nigel, he's so far been very quiet and his face can be quite relaxed even though you can tell hmm okay so oh, what is she coming to drop some stuff off or no no she's you know she's coming to join the tour and <laughs> so unless david's really paying attention nigel's not really giving you know we we as part of the you know being where the camera is and kind of playing you know it's kind of giving us a little behind the scenes stuff that it seems like David's not really picking up on. I don't know if he's not really, I mean, he's justifying their relationship here in a way that suggests that he knows, he knows that, something. Right. Mm-hmm. But I guess I meant in that moment that he's not sure. Picking up on it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, obviously with what he's saying here, he knows that there's a conflict between the two of them. Yeah. Such a funny joke, though. I mean, I, we can analyze it, and we should analyze all this stuff. But, but that, that, like, there's great love there. Oh yes, oh, it's just yes. so good, so good. <laughs> yeah. So then, um, yeah, there's some sort of communication block or something, and then we just kind of move on over to a little bit of just Marty and Nigel time. Mm. Yeah, That's and nice. and N- Nigel playing piano. Very skillfully. Very yes, Marty is surprised at the... This goes back to something I said um, a couple minutes ago, is some base level of competence of these people makes mm-hmm. the jokes better. And this is a great moment for that, where it's like, oh, Nigel is one, you know, like these all these all are, these are musicians. They mm-hmm. do have skills. And he is, he is capable of making something pleasant and pretty and delicate. And that... This is all set up for perhaps my favorite joke in the movie, which is not in this minute. We just have the set up here, which is the title of this piece that he's doing. But um, it's it, it is it works because they are not incompetent, right? There they there are skills these people have. They fail and they do stupid things because of their failings as human beings, not because they're not talented people, because they clearly have talent. And this is a great moment of that where you see in a quiet moment, this ridiculous character is a a capable piano player who is able to compose beautiful music. Mm-hmm. So what happened? Right. I mean, that's the question of Spinal Tap in general is what what the heck happened to you guys? But um, so I lo- I love that, and I love that Marty is surprised by it too. Like, oh, that's really pretty. Like, how could that be? How could I wasn't aware you could do this? Bit of yeah. a departure. Yeah. 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 And Nigel's 
um, we've been paying attention to this, it is another scene where he's chewing gum. So I, I do think that every single scene, we're probably going to find that he's chewing gum in every every single scene. I didn't really, His way. we couldn't really see much of him in the um, in the the bus earlier because he was wasn't much in there, but. We'll, we'll assume that he was chewing gum in the yeah, and like and, and sometimes some of the the stage performances they're either cutting too fast or they're showing the whole stage from far away that you can't always tell. But I think from from what we've seen, when we're on Nigel and it's close enough to see what his jaw is doing, he's chewing. So uh, probably yeah, and that's a good soon. point. He very well may not be chewing gum on stage when he's performing. I guess I'm really noticing it when he's yeah. when he's off stage and. And, um, I'm going. I'm going to yeah. some just like, just like Marty's collar is popped, even if you can't see it. That Nigel's chewing gum, even if we can't see it. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe Fair. he sticks it on the end of his guitar, <laughs> on the like end of his finger, or his finger. Yeah, and it looks like they're in the recording studio here too. I noticed, like, oh, there's some. Looks like some sound dampeners and some mm -hmm. mics are set up back there, and. Um, yeah, this seems know. to be a standard uh, trick in this movie, which is we can we we'll put some equipment in the background to make <laughs> yep. it like wherever they actually are. This is a this could be a studio. Like there are lights up above and all of that. I mean, who knows where this actually is? Whether it's a real right, recording right. studio or not. But they've got some mics and an amp and a and and uh, some speakers, and it's enough to feel like you're in a musician's place where he's right. having this conversation. So. Yeah, so I have a I have a question. Would this be was any part of this documentary not filmed on tour? I guess is this back in so we know the the bits that they filmed with the band, like just kind of like the set interview pieces at, that are back at Nigel's castle. Is this also back in England or Scotland? You know, is this kind of Nigel's home studio or is this you know they're on tour and they've booked. You know they've booked a studio for a rehearsal for a, you know an off day on the tour. Well, later on in the tour, they are in a studio. Yes, because Jason, I was letting everybody know, and I know you're a little bit behind on listening to every single episode of yeah. our podcast, but I was um, I I confess that I'm just rewatching this minute by minute. So even though I've mm -hmm. seen it. A bunch of times I didn't rewatch the whole thing. So things are a little, a little hazy, but I mean, they are, you know, obviously we know some, some, some stuff goes down, some pivotal stuff goes down between David and Nigel. And that's, that's in a recording studio. Yeah. So. And sometimes they're, they're unclear on the chronology. So is this, you know, was this filmed before the tour or, you know, the, you know, p this particular scene in a studio is this after the tour or is this in the tour? We don't really know. Or is this um, when Nigel is, has quit? Yeah. Yeah. And he's yeah. thinking of, uh, you know, doing other projects of his own. And this is why he's playing the, hmm. you know, playing the piano and showing that to Marty. Um, yeah. You know, there's nothing in the text of the film either way about it. So you can kind of make up where, where you want this to, to fit in the in the overall story. But that that's what I always sort of thought is that this is maybe when we don't really, we don't really know what happens with Nigel at the end of the movie after he leaves until he comes back. Right. And yeah. you know, who knows? Yeah, I like that. I like I'll that. go with that. I'll and I really, I'm re I'd really be interested in, 
in what Nigel would do on his own, what sort of mu- musical direction he would go in, you know, without David's influence there. Well, you know, one of the stories of, of this band, right, that, that is not as uh, at the forefront as, uh, you know, I think what we talk about mostly about Spinal Tap is the fact that they are a, they're commercial Mm-hmm. And they're they're kind of like crassly commercial, and you see it in the in the uh, '60s stuff, right? You see it that they do they do give me some money, and they then they do listen to the Flower People, and they're like chasing they're chasing Beatles pop, and then they're chasing psychedelic pop, and then they're chasing kind of like uh, in the early '70s. There's the implication from some of the tracks that they're that they're chasing prog rock, and then they finally kind of like land on the thing that makes them money, which right. is the which is their kind of heavy metal-ish pop rock stuff mm-hmm. that they're doing. Yeah. And so I think it's an open question, like, what would they prefer to do? Presumably these talented people have some artistic interest of some kind, maybe, and this is where we see it. Yes. Um, but it never comes out because they are fully committed to just doing whatever sells. Whatever can make them the most money, they will do it. And you see it here and you see it in the pivot to the Jazz Odyssey later where they're like, they're trying, like, trying stuff to see if, do you like this? Do you like this? I'll keep trying things until I find something that'll allow me to stay a famous musician. But that's the question is like, do they have, you know, identities under all of that? And I don't know if they do, but this is a good example. I guess this would be an argument that they do, that that Nigel has this other thing, Mm -hmm. this, this, uh, also I think this is the classical Music secret of a rock star is a, is another funny cliche, yeah. which is that the rock star goes off and makes a a jazz album. I mean, a jazz album, a classical album. I mentioned Sting in the previous episode. I think Sting's done all of these things, right? Mm-hmm. He's done a jazz album. He's done a classical <laughs> album. He's done a Broadway uh, musical. Like, I think that's also a funny kind of cliche that they really have a, a legitimate project that they're always working on that just somehow never seems to come to pass because they're too busy uh touring yeah yeah no that's great and i would love that would be fun to imagine you know all the different projects that each (laughs) member might go off and and do because they all have i think derek's would be amazing (laughs) 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 whatever it would be nobody knows but it would be amazing yeah this just i want to i mean before we before we run out of time here because the joke is in the next minute i just wanted to say i'm going to cheat and say First time I, I watched this movie was on VHS. I never saw it in the theater. Um, I was I was probably too young to see it in the theater anyway. I don't think it came to my town. And I heard people talking about it. And everybody loved it. And I watched uh, David Letterman in the early 80s. And people would talk about it. Of course, Paul Schaefer's in the, in the movie later as Artie Fufkin. Um, and so finally, a friend of mine and I, we rent the tape. We watch it. And it's like... I don't even know. It was at my parents' house. Uh, I was in high school. They weren't around. It was the middle of the day. It wasn't even like, it was just on a weekend. Mm-hmm. And we're watching the movie. And uh, we get to, I mean, first there's Mozart and Bach. It's a mock piece. That's great. But we get to him saying offhandedly, I think, looking at it, I think making it up on the spot. I think as with so much in this movie. But regardless, just offhandedly tossing off, mm-hmm. oh, it's called Lick My Love Pump. <laughs> I will tell you, 
I don't know if I've laughed harder in my entire life than that moment. We had to pause the tape. I literally, and I'm not joking here, I fell on the floor and I had tears streaming down my face at laughing at that joke. So I'm not sure if it is my favorite joke now, having seen the movie 20 times, but it certainly is the first joke in This is Spinal Tap that I ever truly loved. (laughs) <laughs> because it, it just it, it was the most I've laughed ever, I think, was that moment. So I love this joke. I love that it comes after this quiet moment. It is the perfect ninja joke. But it just it, It's in the weeds. You can't see it. It's just all very peaceful. This is the final, the, the classy moment of Nigel. And then boom, in comes the joke. It's great. I love it. Love it so much. <laughs> yeah. And, and we, we were talking a little bit before about kind of Marty's reactions. And in this, in that particular shot, it's it, they're both on camera. We see both of them. And again, it's Marty just, just nod. Just, he, he rolls with the punches. He doesn't acknowledge that this ridiculous thing has just happened. And you know, the thoughtful nod. I do wonder if there's a, um, did they, did they do some things that cracked each other up so much that they did it again? Or, or when I watch him say, lick my love pump, I also wonder, I'm watching Rob Reiner and thinking to myself, is that the last frame that they had? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then they just lose it because yeah. that is, that is true. And in fact, there are, and, and you maybe have, have noticed this or will notice this, but there are several moments in this movie where it's very clear that people are laughing at yeah. what's yeah, being they, said. They, they do crack. Yeah, they, they do crack. Particularly I mean, the shark sandwich thing, yeah. they, that is like a, a co- competition to see if Rob Reiner can make everybody laugh. That is what that is. And he does make them laugh. Yeah, I really wish one of the things that, that I had wondered and we learned when we got to talk with, with David Caffinetti is that they did do multiple takes of, of most of these scenes. And... I am not a wealthy man, but what I own, I would give to see, yeah, to see those outtakes, to yeah. see, to, to, yeah, because I wonder, I, I imagine that there is a lot of laughing and there are probably a lot of cases where you're right, where they hold things, at, you know, to the last possible frame and that if they, you know, if, if you went one frame past what they show you, it's everybody cracking up. Yeah, so they just have to have to hold it for that moment. But I don't know that that may be something that Christopher Guest had in his back pocket, or it's something that they talked about beforehand, <laughs> and that that was the point of the scene because it is. I mean, why else do that scene if not for that amazing joke at the end of it? It is very impressive though when you watch it that some some of the jokes there is a quick cut afterward that I suspect really mm-hmm. was like the last frame they had before everybody laughed. That one he they hold it for, like, and it's so it's great timing. Like Rob Reiner just kind of nods, like, "Yep, mm-hmm. got it." Got it. It's amazing. It's well, amazing. I'm glad we were um, almost to that. So we kind of set up, set it up and you're able to share what an impact it had on your f- first viewing of Lick My Love Pump. Oh, yeah. It's more of a mock, really. It's just right <laughs> halfway in between. <laughs> well, is there anything else about this minute or we should we wrap up our final Jason Snell episode? I, I think I've said everything that I came here to say. It's amazing to 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 get that uh, even like the setup of my favorite joke. So I I was very happy to to get that. Great. Yeah, it was really great having you, and I'm glad you you jumped in and joined us on joined us in the 
quotathon on Twitter, and then um, <laughs> and then you know I could do it all day, and yeah. some days I do. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Well, then I guess that's going to be it for episode forty-two of Spinal Tap minute and um yeah you know where to find us we're at spinaltapminute.com and yeah you can find us at the our, our social links we're at spinal tap minute at instagram and twitter and um i think that's about it for me and there's the spinal tap minute hotline so as always you can give us a call and share your own memories of the first time you fell down laughing watching spinal tap <laughs> and that's at 419 419- Tap tap six. So that's 419-827-8276. So uh share your story or question or spinal tap memory. And uh if we like your message, we may feature you on a future episode. And so Jason, if folks are falling off their their sofas laughing ah. at you, where can they get more of your uh, your good work? Well, if you'd like funny things that I'm involved with, at theincomparable.com, we have a bunch of funny podcasts, including one called The Game Show, which I think if any podcast I do would make you laugh and perhaps fall out of your chair, maybe if we're very, very good, it would be The Incomparable Game Show. And there are many others at theincomparable.com. So check those out. All right. So, yes, please, everyone, check that out and check us out tomorrow when we come back for, uh, for I guess, will be Minute 43. Yeah, sounds like it. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> the law of averages. The says. law of averages, yeah. <laughs> but until next time, and so say all of us, tap, tap into, into America. America.